Oh, my stars, Steve. My stars and stripes. We have some exciting news. Shall we tell them? We should reveal that Chinwag is hitting the road again and going on a West Coast tour. Yes, that's right. If you missed us in your fair city, truly, friends, don't fret, don't fear, don't have a panic attack. (laughs) Do not panic. We will be recording live Chinwags in May in Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle. Yes, in L.A. we'll be at Dynasty Typewriter on May 14th. You can go to chinwagpod.fm slash Los Angeles for tickets. And on May 16th, we're going to be in Portland at Revolution Hall. For those tickets, go to chinwag.fm slash Portland. And we'll be at Town Hall, the great town hall in Seattle on May 17th. For tickets to that, go to chinwagpod.fm slash Seattle. You do not want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be mighty, mighty. So get your tickets at chinwagpod.fm, and we will see you there. Come on out, waggers. Come out, waggers. Come out. (laughs) Come out of hiding. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are chin wagging. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. A serious chin wag. Very but, much but so. Now, serious chin wag. I believe the audience gets a chance to chin wag with us. Uh, yeah, I see that point. they put a mic stand up there. Does that mean we're going to have a little? Uh oh. Hello. Hey guys. Hi. Um, Hi. I want to know, Paul. Do you ever feel like "I love you, man" is like real life? Do you ever think it's like real life? I, like, I'm like, sure. Yeah, uh, I love you, man. Do you ever feel like it's kind of like real life, like? Building friendships, uh, maintaining them over a long period of time, yeah. having real conversations, yeah. you know, face-to-face. Um, I, I, I get it. I, I'm feeling you, man. I totally know. I really... You're, you know what? You're a great guy. You're a really great guy. Thank you. Thank you. Man. What's your name? Drew. Nice to meet you, Drew. Let me know if you want to join a fantasy football league. Uh, I, do, I do think that that is a very common uh, thing. And as you certainly, when you were kids, were in school, were surrounded by other pe- you know, people, you're open to social events, it's easier to make friends. And as you get older, I think it becomes a little harder and you're not sometimes always in uh, you know, a place to really make friends. Yeah. I think it does get harder. Yeah, it's hard. We get a little more guarded, too. I'll talk to you later, Drew. Yeah, you guys will, yeah. <laughs> Um, How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, so you, you mentioned uh, not really having a fear of, of public speaking and, you know, not really a phobia of yours. You, not, not so much there, but um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask, do you think that led to your journey as, a, as an actor, a successful actor, and 
Um, you know, what, what were the obstacles there? Because, you know, obviously different levels here, you know, like public speaking is something that as an actor, you, you're, you're up, you're holding the mic. It seems pretty natural. Walk, walk me through kind of what led to your success. And um, I don't know. You know, I, it seems as if when it came to public speaking, I had a teacher in junior high who was just really funny. And the class was really fun. Huh. And there were a couple of guys that were older than me that were in that class that I saw them do an improv comedy thing, and I was like, that looks like it's just fun. So I had such enthusiasm for it that it almost overrode Overcame, everything yeah. else. And then, you know, I was, I was like such a David Letterman fanatic, and I used to take a, ra I took a radio and TV class in my school, and I used to make these little movies and videos, and it, <laughs> for some reason, I think I just always had this idea that that's what I wanted to do, and even though... I would sometimes get a little, you know, nervous before a show or something. Yeah. It, 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 I, I was always, it was always the one thing I think in my life that I had real focus and drive and, um, and, and stuck to it. So there are aspects about career, like moving out of the Midwest and trying to pursue it or leaving my friends and do this, like, because that's what I need, need to do to do this, that I feel like I was somewhat fearless in that regard. But I think the fearlessness that I had in that regard probably spilled over so that mm -hmm. fears in other aspects of my life were maybe greater than other people might have. I have a real thing with indecision that kicked in much later. That's a genuine phobia. phobia uh, in life, <laughs> where it's like that happened to me yeah. somewhere in my 20s where it's like I was never indecisive when it came to stuff about what I do, um, but in other aspects of my life, it started to really build up. And I, that's something that uh, I think I wrestled with for a long, long time, and, and still do, to some extent. I, I remember, uh, I speak in public for a living, I'm a professor, so I talk to people, crowds like this all the time, uh, but I also perform as a blues musician, and I got to play with Bo Diddley, and they said, uh, Bo's gonna come in around 9 p.m., uh, and you guys can maybe practice. And the gig starts at 10. So 10 o'clock rolls around, there's no bow. And so they're like, well, why don't you get up and just start playing something? So we get up and we start playing. And I'm like, oh my God, we didn't rehearse anything. We don't know what key anything's in, what the tunes are. And what was tricky about that is you have to improvise. You guys are improvisers too. You, don't, you just have to fi figure out, you're already on stage. There's no rehearsal. You just have to do it in the moment. And the high stakes forces you to like bring this incredible attention to what you're doing and to sort of adapt to what's happening. And I know like it can go badly, but it can also be amazingly exhilarating too. You're completely present. It's one of the yeah. only times in your life where you really feel like, okay, I just have to listen and be completely open and fear has to go away and you're just kind of locked in. And when you are, if you have a, if you think about the scenario, you'll get tripped up. Yeah. Or if you think about it 30 minutes before it's gonna happen, that's gonna happen. You're like, oh, I can't do it, I'm yeah. so nervous. But when you're in the moment and you're doing it, you kind of don't think about it. And then it's exhilarating after the fact yeah. in a way. Yeah, and, and that, I just wanted to expand on that. Because you know, I'll be at work and you know, I'll have to deliver a 30, 30, 40 slide deck presentation. And I'll be honest, you know, I'll look at it like the day before, maybe the hour before sometimes. And, Somehow, you know, by the grace of God, you know, like by the end of the presentation, you know, people are like, good job, you, you handled business. So is it the pressure that, that enhances the improvisation or is it the, 
the feeling that when you're done, you know, you, you know it's going to be a good feeling. What is it that drives you during that particular time? I don't know. Maybe it's part of your brain shuts off and you just kind of have to do I it. I think it is. It's an instinctual thing takes over. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Hi. Um, you teased a bit on uh, some of the unexplained phenomena that, that you had over... I know. It was a mistake. I knew it yeah. when I said it. <laughs> you you got to give us something. I uh, just, uh, <laughs> I'm always hesitant to say it because I just, it'll sound pretty nutty. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Maybe another chin wag. Done yeah. But it's good because it sounds like some freaky shit happened. The, the memoir. Wait for the That's memoir. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. Firstly, thank you. I'm a huge fan of both Pauls, Paul Rudd and Paul Giamatti. Specifically, you, Paul Rudd, back to the clueless days. Friends, Anchorman, Josh and Mike, fucking amazing. But also, thank you to Draymond's mom for saving your life. Just have to say that. Shout out. But being here just reminds me of my bar mitzvah days and me being a fellow bar mitzvah pro what was one of your favorite bar mitzvah dj songs to play <laughs> what do you used to rock out to that's a really well that's come on really great well the, the big hits when i was doing this uh i'm too sexy for my shirt was okay wow. okay still that was that was I, we, we rocked out to that come that was it. and then and then uh and then uh also can't touch this was also wow. really popular at the time <laughs> Um, and that was, uh, and then occasionally we would throw on, uh, Moni Moni and, uh, look around because we knew when the, the kids, uh, here, here she comes now singing Moni Moni, uh, hey, hey, what, get laid, get fucked, they would all, <laughs> all the kids would yell and all of the grandparents would say, what are they, what are they saying? That, that was always a great time. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Thanks, man. Oh my gosh. Ooh. This is like a fever dream. Sorry. I hope none of my... It's like a fever no, dream? No, like I, a... I'm looking, like, making sure none of my teachers are here because I'm supposed to be studying for a test, but um, I'm still in high school, so my parents don't know I'm here, so let's just keep it like that. Oh. <laughs> um, we're just going to forget about that. Um, but one of my questions is for Paul. It's kind of random. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But um, I just finished Only Murders in the Building, which is so good if you didn't watch it. It's so good. Um, and you're in season three, really, really good. And for one of the parts in the theater, they come up with like this Gideon type of like energy ghost. And I remember watching one of your interviews with Jason Siegel, and you guys, I think we're high or whatever, but what, um, <laughs> I don't know. Not that I know any of that, mom, by the way. Um, but um, you guys like, <laughs> you guys like kind of came up with like this Gideon idea. So. Did that have anything to do with only murders in the building, or was that just like a coincidence? No, that 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 was actually when we were doing the press junket for "I Love You, Man," and yeah. uh, we were uh, completely out of our brains because we'd done so many interviews, and there was a there was a kind of a mannequin in the corner of the room. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. And uh, we just started referring to it as Gideon. <laughs> And Jason hadn't slept. He was hungry, and we were exhausted. And he, uh, yeah, he just kept talking about Gideon, and we lost our <laughs> brains. 
Um, so had, is that how they got the name, like the ghost and early murders in the building? Or was that oh, just like oh, a- that was just, no, that was, uh, you'd have to talk to the writers. Oh, okay. I just now got your question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you so much all for being here and doing this. This has been a really fun night and totally in love with you since Clueless. He's okay with it. Uh, <laughs> so we talked a lot about uh, you know, spooky things and fears and recurring bad dreams. Do you have a good slash weird slash happy dream from your youth or adulthood? Either one is fine. Or both? <laughs> uh, I've always, always loved the flying dreams or a dream uh. where I jump from like a super big height and I land and I'm okay. Uh. There's something really amazing about the flying dreams. And then, uh, strangely, my dad died uh, 15 years ago. 15 years ago today, by the way. Mm. Um, uh, thanks. And, uh, <laughs> but I, it's what's strange is I very seldom have dreams about him yeah. as much as I want to. And every once in a while, uh, I do. And when I do, it's the greatest, Amazing. It's the greatest yeah, thing ever. And it thing. isn't even like there's some kind of information being exchanged or like, did he really come and visit me? I don't know. I don't like, I hope so. Can I ask, is he, is he, is he younger in his dreams? Is he the, the way he was when he was you older? You know, it's funny. Like, he, got, he, like? he got cancer and then before he died, he lost, yeah, he, I uh-huh. see pictures of him now. Sometimes I had some pictures of before yeah. he died and it was like he aged 20 years and he, he was on chemo so he had no hair yeah. and all that. But when I see him, it's, he's kind of probably in his, he was in his early, he was in his 60s when he died. He was like probably yeah. looking like in his, in his 50s and, yeah. um, uh, uh, and so, yeah, it's like kind of like as I remembered him. Yeah. When I dream about my dad, he's young and his hair is black, jet black, and he looks great. It's so, it's wonderful whenever I say, but for some reason I dream about him young. Yeah. I don't see him Do old. you dream about him a lot? Not very much, no, very seldom. It's, it's a really great. common thing I find sometimes of people who have lost loved ones that they want so badly to have a dream with them and then it doesn't happen. So yeah. that they, on, on occasion... Very rarely. There's a um, we we interviewed a dream specialist, Deirdre Barrett, and we were at, she's at Harvard. And we were asking her this question about you want to see because my father passed away too, and I want to see him. And she said, if you do practice this technique, you can prime yourself to dream yeah. of your father, but you sort of have to keep reminding yourself right before you go to bed, like, I'd like to have a dream of you. Yeah. And she said it actually works. She says it works. Yeah. But, but not always. It's just very random. But it, it yeah. can improve your ability to dream about a loved one. Yeah. Well, very comforting. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. Mr. Rudd. Mr. Giamatti. Sir. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I just want to say, um, Paul, um, they Came Together is my wife and I's favorite comedy of yours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thanks. Sorry, I didn't eat. They Came Together. Oh, well, oh, oh wow. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We, I'm telling you, we watch it all the time. Every time, yeah, every time we get, we Thank do that. Thank you. Um, Mr. Giamatti, yeah. <laughs> uh, Shoot Him Up ah. is, you are extremely terrifying. Thank and you. That, and I love you. I love <laughs> you for you. that. Trust. I, I was so happy in that movie when I got killed in the end of that movie and everybody cheered in the theater. 
It's the happiest I've ever been in a movie because I Definitely. played such a bad guy. Everybody cheered, and I was like, oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, my question is, uh, how do you process and deal with fear right now? Deal with fear now? Yeah. Not well. <laughs> I don't think I do it well. Um, and, and it's funny, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I do things like try to meditate, but I don't do it regularly enough. I do kind of things like that. Not well. I don't do a great job of it. Yeah, that's a, what a great question. I don't think I do either. And I, my fears are different because I have a family now. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's... Um, I, I think I've resorted more to I, I just want to find more instances where I'm laughing mm. you know it used to be that I just wanted to like I love watching really dark th movies and intense things and I'd watch the news I, I don't watch the news so much anymore I don't have any social media um I you don't do any of that I you don't none of it I don't do any of it. Awesome. and and so I, I I never have though but I think that I try and make my world a little smaller I really try and remind myself in the moments of what's like, oh man, anytime you're just laughing with your friends or having a nice time with your family, like that's it. That's the best, that's, that's the best, that's the best thing there is. And like you hope for the best, but it's, it's a constant struggle. My wife this week, especially, I mean, it's been so awful what's been going on in the world. I mean, it's brutal and it's, and it's very, like with some really intense conversations happening in my house. And I even told my wife, I'm like, just, put the phone down, you know, this, it, it, it's, it's really scary. And, um, and we, could not, we all feel, I think, probably pretty helpless and scared. And, um, and you want to be engaged citizens, but it's, I think we all have to just kind of remind ourselves what's good and, um, and try and stay in those spaces a little bit while still being an engaged citizen and doing what we can to try and make the place here a little better while we're here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, first of all, my day started at 11 o'clock. This is not about me, but we drove from Pittsburgh to get here, to wow. come and see you three. Thank you. So, um, and all three of you, because the science and the knowledge is amazing and I love how it all mixes in with you know conjecture and fact and silliness and um, an amazing guest so um, but when you are talking um, Mr. Giamatti about the fact that you could dress up as an orangutan easier than 
being on stage. Um, I've heard some actors say that it's much more threatening for them to be themselves than to pretend to be somebody else. And I was wondering if even on stage as a musician, if you go into that role, if it's just more uh, the vulnerability of being yourself outweighs acting and taking on a character for any of you. I mean, I mean, I say that I have a, a fear of getting up and giving a toast and things because essentially I feel the pressure to be myself and that scares me. It's been a journey to feel more comfortable being myself. I think I am probably more myself up here, but it brings up all kinds of complicated questions about what myself is anyway, <laughs> you know? But I mean, I think for me, acting was a very peculiar way to connect with people, but it was the best way I could find to do it. And it was the connection that was the most important thing. Playing somebody else was oddly important. I don't know why. I don't know why that's something that gives me satisfaction to be somebody else, except that I was able to connect with people, the other people, the other actors, and the other people in the audience. So for some reason, that mask gives you the ability to, to do that. And, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I don't need a mask so much anymore. And that's a remarkable feeling. It's really cool. It's like I can get rid of the mask a little bit more, and that's, that's nice. But I yeah. still like to wear the mask. But then also I begin to feel like, even when I'm acting, maybe I don't need a mask as much. Right. I used to think I needed a mask. I needed to, like a limp and a funny eye and like you know an accent and stuff. And, and I don't need as much of that anymore. And that, I don't know what that is. That's just some kind of maturity, I guess. But you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting in that sometimes, you know, I've been like, even this last year working on Only Murders in the Building. I'm working with, with you know, Steve Martin, uh, Martin Short, and Meryl Streep. You're right. And, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly, I mean, those are the three all-time greatest. And Steve Martin, for me, my whole life, that was the guy. Uh, and sometimes it's like, okay, just to sit around, it's, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, like, nervous to be around or just engage in a conversation. I try and get better. Um, I, I, I think I'm okay now. <laughs> but sometimes I, I've been lucky enough to work with some real legends. And... It's, it's, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, 14 years old. I'm, like, nervous. I just, I don't want to be a jerk, and I want to be engaging and interesting, and, and, but when we're acting in a scene, it's a different story. All that goes away. It all goes away, yeah. and it's weird. And then it's like, you finish, and then it's like, you got to talk to him again, and it's like, oh, God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> right, that's, that, that's, that's really true. And there's a, so there's like even the mask of just the, having the, the scene there for, and your characters, and you're supposed to engage at work, it, it's, it's like a switch in your brain, and it, it changes. Um, and it's, a, it's a wild thing. I'll say in, in terms of music performance, it's a little weird because you want to show, like in, I play a lot of jazz music, and there it's oftentimes instrumental, and you're trying to show something of yourself, but it's like an emotional vulnerability or like rage or like, you know, these softer emotions. Mm -hmm. But you're not really showing, okay, here's what Steve really believes. These are my opinions. These are my political views. Like none of that is ever like exposed in the music, but something even more important, which is this emotional, like are you having an emotionally honest experience? And if you, if you play a lot of music, then you, these greats like Herbie Hancock and 
Miles, they, they were able to do that like on command almost and show this part of themselves, but it's, it's emotional identity. Do, I'm sorry, two questions. Um, do any of you, or have you looked back on your childhoods and noticed a different kind of pretend play that you engaged in um, that maybe enabled you to be able to play a role now? Does that make sense? That's a cool, that's a cool question. Any kind of play we had as a, as a child that right. sort of fed into. Mm -hmm. I once wrapped myself up in toilet paper <laughs> from, head to, from head to toe and I pretended to be the mummy and walked around. I think I did a lot of play acting like that. I did a lot of kind of acting like that, wanting to play the characters I saw. So it just was a continuum. I don't know that. I think that I think that I used to yeah I even as a really little kid I could do these kind of funny dumb little dances and it would make my parents laugh and uh, I'm still doing it. <laughs> I mean I'm making a and living. I actually doing it. think I actually think that's a really good because it's like it's it's somehow it's uninterrupted. It doesn't feel Nothing different. Nothing stops it's, you. It stops me from wanting to wrap up like the mummy and, or him do a stupid dance and make people it's laugh. Similar feeling it's in the anything. Same, it's the yeah. same, it's Connection. the exact same feeling. Same feeling when I was 10 to, to now. Um, and so I think a lot of those kinds of, yeah, playing and pretend is, is I, I just trying to keep it going. I just want to add too that um, a lot of people forget that play is a kind of research. And when kids do it, they're figuring out their bodies, they're figuring out how other people are responding to things. And so we think of it like it's entertainment, but really you guys were researching stuff, but the, the mummy, you know. Um, and then you take that into, into adult life, and it's why they're such great actors, is they did all this research, you know, and they retained it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good trip back to Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, well, that was a great question. Mine is... Uh, much more stupid. Um, it's a Halloween question. Is that Bert Convy on your it is shirt? Bert is that Bert Convy? It sure is. It's Bert Convy. He's, uh, I loved Bert Convy. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No. Oh, nice. mean, you all have Convy-esque qualities, and I oh, think that's a compliment. Yeah. Really? I don't have any Convy. No, you all do. You do. Okay. Um, so my wife and I are getting ready to uh, hand out candy for trick or treaters. She comes home from the store with a big bag of Almond Joys. She thinks they're delicious. I know they're disgusting, that kids will reject them because it's like a wet coconut trap. So just, can we have you all weigh in? Almond Joys as Halloween candy, yeah, you're yay right. or nay? You're right. I am, thank you. You're wrong, you're I'm, wrong. I agree with your wife. I'm down with an Almond Joy. I like a Mounds, but if you got a bounty bar and it's from England, it's better. I, I take almond back what joy. I said the about Bert Convy. The almonds are key. The almonds are essential. I have a nut allergy. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. That's the only problem. Hi. Uh, thanks for coming to my neighborhood because I'm only three blocks away. So that's awesome. Um, my question is actually, I'm sorry, Paul squared, but it's for Steven. Um, well, philosophy question. Yeah. Let's go. Well, that and uh, men, like mental health, whatever. But um, I'm very severely ADHD, and I have no fears of, you guys were talking about sharks and heights, and, and I have literally no fears for that, like none of them. But I think that it made me think of the way that your brain works when you talk, it was not neurodivergent, but neuro, like diverse. Yeah. yeah. 
it also reminded me when you told me the woman that had no fear, there was another woman that had her, she had epilepsy, and her name is Diane Von Dieter or whatever. Oh. Do you remember? I think I've heard she of She was an epileptic. She got cured, but she has no sense of time or pain. So she's one of the best long marathon runners yes, in the world. I've heard of this wow. one. Yeah. So I was wondering if you thought maybe because she had epilepsy, do you think there's correlation between neurodiverse people and that kind of behavior? No, I mean, I don't remember the details of that case, yeah. but it, the general point, I think, is exactly right. The, the brain is so complex and strange, and it's so able to adjust to... So, I mean, here's one example of how weird the brain is. You know, in hydrocephaly, is when it's called water on the brain, and it's basically in the middle of the brain, there's like a little ventricle area, and it starts filling up with water. And it fills up on a kid who doesn't get the shunt in the back of their head and get it released. It just keeps building and making the head larger and larger. There was a case where the water filled the brain to such a degree during the development that the entire brain spread to the walls of the skull like a sheet of paper. And yet, that brain still functioned beautifully because it evolved to handle that situation. So I think neurodiversity helps us understand, like, fears, the lack of fears, and all the other yeah. complex diversity in human beings. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I have one more question before I go, but it's for you guys. You said that you love getting dressed up with, uh, you know, as an orangutan or whatever. If you guys decided to not act anymore, how likely would you guys become mascots for <laughs> professional sports teams? To become a mascot? Yeah, it's depends my dream the, to do it that. Depends on the mascot. Depends on what I'm going to be. But Pretty. yeah, I, I would do that. That would be hard, though, wouldn't it? I mean, that seems tough. Those seems tough. to seem like they get hot. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Those, you'd have to just go to every game. You'd have to leave the house. Yeah. I'd wanna... That's I physically taxing. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too old. I'm too old to, do, to be the Philly, the Philly fanatic. <laughs> if I was going to be... By the way, <laughs> I, I, I do, I'm not on any social media, but there is one site somebody showed me that made me laugh so hard that I'm like, God dang it, I wish I had almost had a... Twitter account or so they could look at this every day. And it's um, mascots in a, a moment of silence. <laughs> and it's just pictures of like people that are like, they've had it on a, at a stadium, you know, they're all. That, <laughs> and then it's this giant mascot. <laughs> so I highly encourage all of you That's very to funny. really uh, look That's that brilliant. one up. I'm immediately going to look up that when I get home. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. That was the last question. Paul Rudd, what a pleasure. What a joy, Paul Giamatti. Oh, my God, man. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming. That's the chinwag. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Chinwag is a production of Treefort Media and Touchy Feely Films. Hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Tree Fort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Original theme music by Luke Topp, with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Tree Fort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Editing and mixing by Jeff Neal. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok 
at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. <laughs>